Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, with his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, bringing to you biblical insights and tales from the family doctor's rusty, dusty scrapbook. Well, this week I had a close family friend sharing with me his concern about his daughter-in-law, who was sharing with him stories from her personal life as a school teacher, and he was in consternation at the change in her life from the time when he first met her until today, over a period of about 10 years. And he says to me, Doc, I'm concerned that my daughter-in-law has turned into a social justice warrior. And I asked him, well, how do you think that's happened? He said, well, I think it's the influence of the school system where she works and the teachers with whom she associates, that she has completely changed who she is. And he said, I don't even recognize my daughter-in-law. He said, more than that, her father no longer is able to associate with his own daughter because their views are so divergent. And so I, I was sharing his concern with him, and we talked about it, And it made me want to share with you a message that my daughter, Hannah Miller, shared with the church in Chester, South Carolina, Chester Freedom Ministries. And the title of her message was Raising Kingdom Warriors Versus Social Justice Warriors. I was so impressed with her message that I felt like I should share it with my listening audience. So I'm going to bring that message to you. It's going to be a two-part message, but I think it will be very instructional, very challenging, and very helpful to you in understanding uh, what's happening in the world around us with this whole idea of social justice versus biblical justice. I was able to bring a message on Sunday morning at that very same church on forgiveness versus unforgiveness, which I think you will find very interesting. It's on the church's website. Once again, the church is Chester Freedom Ministries, and I was able to share with them uh, from the story of the unmerciful servant, the parable of the unmerciful servant. As you remember, Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive Peter suggested seven times, and Jesus said, no, 70 times seven, and then he launched into the parable of the unmerciful servant. So the whole message was about the things that happen in our families that lead us to be unwilling to forgive, that present barriers and obstacles to oneness in our relationships, not just in our families, but between neighbors, between co-workers, between parent and child, between husband and wife. And I think you'll find that message very informative and uh, encouraging and perhaps very challenging as well. 
You can find that on the website for Chester Freedom Ministries. Also, I'd like to say a thank you to my producer, Bob Sloan. Uh, all of these productions would not be possible without his assistance. Uh, I think his business is Bob Sloan Productions. I would encourage you to look him up sometimes because all the things that my daughter Hannah does with her programming and I do with my business and my podcast would not be possible without the assistance of my good friend, Bob Sloan. Now, without any further ado, here is Hannah Miller with her presentation on raising a kingdom warrior versus a social justice warrior. Okay, uh, first of all, my name is Hannah Miller. Uh, just a little bit about my background and why I'm talking about this. I did talk radio, political talk radio, for about 10 years, three and a half years. I did it full time. Uh, the, all the other years was part time. Um, I resigned last year. I had our fourth, uh, a little boy, three girls and one boy, and I had our fourth last year, and I just decided, you know, I'm usually home by about 10 o'clock, so I got to spend the majority of my day with my kiddos, but that meant I got up at four. So uh, that was a little bit hard. By, by about mid-afternoon, I was feeling kind of done, and so I just decided, you know what, um, I need to give the, my first fruits of my day to my children and, and uh, my husband and our home. So I resigned from doing that and started a podcast. So I actually have the Hannah Miller Show, which is a podcast. You can find it wherever you do podcasts if that's your thing. Um, but a lot of what I'm going to share today isn't exactly out of a book because I didn't, I haven't read a book about a lot of this. But it is things that I've gleaned from 10, 15 years of working in politics and culture, kind of on the front lines of the culture war, so to speak. So, and I know you're all here and you're, you're really... You want me to give you three points in a book to read, and then you can pat yourself on the back and you can walk out of here and you can say, I am totally prepared. <laughs> My friends, the Lord is smiling on you today because I'm going to give you five points, a book to read, and the handout. All right. And you will be prepared. And I know, I know, we all want something a little easier, something different. You know why? Because that's our sin nature. <laughs> it's hard to open this book up. And a lot of times when we open this book up, it doesn't put its finger on our on the sin issue in our child's life, it puts its finger on the sin issue in, in our life. But there is no better option for equipping our children to engage the world around them. You know why? Because when you train yourself, you're then able to train your children. Because when you open up the Word of God and it teaches you how to engage the world, you are then able to do the same for your children. So let me tell you a story. Emily Bargo is a former drug addict. She recently, recently shared how she would get high on meth. And while she was tweaking out her words, she would read the Bible and wish with all my heart that the things I was reading were true and that there really was a God that would save me and love me. Little did I know, this is what she said, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It's Romans 10, 17. She went on to say that in 2014, her life changed forever. She wasn't in a church. She wasn't in a rehab. She wasn't in anything of the like. She was actually in a dope house surrounded by other drug addicts, methed out of their minds. And she said this, while I was methed out of my head and literally cursing my life, boom, God opened her eyes. And she said, I fell to my knees right where I was and begged God to save me. And you know what? He kept 
his promise. He did. The word of God does not return void. This doesn't mean that you should beat your kids over the head with the Bible, but you should fill your home with his word and you should saturate your speech with the gospel. The word of our God is that which makes the blind to see and the dead to live again. Your son's gay friend is getting married and your son asks whether he should attend the wedding be the best man. He's been asked to be the best man. Should he? Should he even go at all? What's the most loving thing to do? Your 14-year-old daughter is going through puberty. She feels awkward. She's uncomfortable with how the world has sexualized her femininity. One day she meets some people on a social media site called DeviantArt who embrace her and tell her that she's welcome in their group and that they all felt that way once as well, but not anymore. They don't feel that way anymore. Why? How? Because they eventually realized they weren't girls, but boys trapped in girls' bodies. They were transgender. What's your daughter going to do when her awkwardness and her discomfort are both embraced and explained? Your 12-year-old son is told that his ancestors were colonizers and slave owners. And he owes reparations to both Native Americans and Black Americans. The guilt from his ancestors actions eventually becomes overwhelming. After all, how can he make right what he never personally made wrong to begin with? And eventually he begins to consider suicide. The world would be a better place without a racist like him after all. What will he do? Contrary to what we've been told most of our lives, as an old horse trainer friend of mine says, in those watershed moments, because that's what this is, this, these are watershed moments and we all have them. We all have watershed moments. He said this, he said, we don't rise to the occasion. We fall to our training. Are you preparing your children for watershed moments? Those moments in life, which whatever choice they make will determine their path for at least a significant portion of their lives, maybe the rest of their life, maybe all of eternity. That's a long time. Will they know how to get to the root of an issue and discern the bottom line worldview question? And will they then know what God's word says about that question? If you have not trained your children how to do this, you want to know something? The world will certainly teach them how to follow their heart and trust their gut. And let me just remind you that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Okay, that all makes sense. But what does this have to do with social justice warriors and kingdom warriors? So glad you asked. <laughs> God is a God of justice. And we're made in his image. All of us have something in us God designed that compels us toward justice. The world over, human beings want justice, at least what they believe to be justice. This justice is often subjective to that person's circumstances and feelings, but our God is not arbitrary, making decisions without reason. James 1.17 tells us, there is no variation or shifting shadow with our Lord. Jesus is the Word made flesh. And Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's Word will stand forever. It is unchanging. God's Word is our plumb line of truth for determining what is just, loving, righteous, and true. Anyone here know what a plumb line is? Mom talked about it a little bit last night. All the guys know. They've seen one before. 
That's a plumb line. A plumb line utilizes the law of gravity to discover proper angles. Keep things plumb, level, straight. You see, a plumb line, though, it doesn't alter or shift with the impulses of the carpenter. It remains true. And all of the carpenter's work has to line up with that line. Or it's going to risk being crooked or wrong. You see, as a plumb line is not dependent on the thoughts or the conveniences or the feelings of the carpenter, so is God's moral law not subject to the beliefs or feelings of man. The standard of righteousness and justice remains true and clearly defined in the word of God. And as I just stated, his word is unchanging, just like this plumb line. And we must train up our children to be wise men and women who align their lives to God's plumb line, like diligent workers who modify their work according to a true vertical, their relationship with God, and a true horizontal, their relationship with others standard. A true standard. God's word is a plumb line, is the plumb line, the unwavering standard that turns a social justice warrior of any time period. Because see, there's nothing new under the sun. A lot of the issues that we're dealing with today, they've been dealing with for thousands of years. They just look a little different. They have different names. But God's word can turn a social justice warrior into a kingdom warrior. Let me define those terms for us a little bit. Some people use the term social justice warrior in a derogatory or condescending, unkind way. I don't mean, I don't mean that at all, okay? When I, I define a social justice warrior as an individual who promotes socially progressive left-wing and liberal views, often on the internet. These include feminism, civil rights, gay and transgender rights, identity politics, political correctness, and multiculturalism. Now let me be clear. When feminism meant that women had the right to vote and be, and be given equal opportunity, that was not a bad thing. That was a good thing. When civil rights meant black Americans deserve the right to vote and equal opportunity, that wasn't a bad thing. When political correctness meant kind and considerate, that was not a bad thing. But feminism now means all men are bad and all women are good. Civil rights means a man in a dress can expose his genitals, his junk, to four-year-olds at the library. That's what civil rights means now. And politically correct means anything but the truth. And then when I use the term kingdom warrior, I define a kingdom warrior as someone who puts on the armor of God using God's word as his only weapon and is committed to suffer hardship and persecution or cancellation, as we like to call it these days, if necessary, so that more people will experience true freedom only found in Christ. Now, what are some specific traits that we can consider? Because we have three world, every worldview has three questions, and I'll mention those later. And I don't want to get into all that because there's lots of books about that, a lot of great books about that. I want to focus on when training our children to navigate watershed moments. How do we need to think about them? How do we recognize them? And I've kind of, in all of my years, pinpointed about five things that I would say make our children vulnerable to being trained as social justice warriors versus kingdom warriors. And the very first thing is, Kingdom warriors are truth-driven versus feeling-driven. Truth is not relative. This is an easy one, but an important one. The culture is teaching your child that the only truth that matters is their truth and that we can all have our own truth. In contrast, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. 
So if your truth doesn't align with the gospel of Jesus Christ, I hate to tell you this, but your truth is rubbish. <laughs> it is. This is perpetuated though by our education methods, which are test-driven, and social media combined. Those two things combined. And let me tell you why. Because they do not train them up to be critical thinkers, only to regurgitate catchphrases. When it's always about the test, when it's always about just being bombarded by social media, Parents with children who've embraced social justice, uh, they often say that it's when they have conversations or talk to their children, it's like listening to a script. They say they're very wooden. They say it's like a form letter. Any meaningful questions or conversations is met with slogans such as you know, trans women are women or you know, trans rights are human rights. All of these kinds of things. They can't discuss these things at length. They can't explain to you how they got to those conclusions. It's just they say the slogan because it sounds nice. Sounds good. In contrast, kingdom warriors understand that the truth is often painful. It's often convicting and sharper than a two-edged sword. Despite this, though, kingdom warriors know that the truth must be spoken. Must be. Not as a clinging symbol, but in love, without equivocation or compromise, but with compassion, strength, and gentleness. We can speak the truth. There's a way to do it. We have to speak the truth. We don't speak the truth. Well, Jesus said, I am the truth. How are you going to share the gospel? How are you going to be a Christian in the world? Most often the truth guiding kids on cultural issues is their feelings. Does it make them feel good? The question is not, does it make me feel good? Does it do good? That's the question. Not does it feel good? Does it do good? What feels right in this situation? That's what's called situational ethics. And what is right changes based on the people involved, feelings, etc., rather than a plumb line, an unchanging standard of what is actually right and true. Furthermore, do they get social media points? Do they get social points if they agree or disagree? For children who can never get away from their social standing due to social media, they are under constant pressure to earn social points from their peers. And this actually leads me to my next point. Number two, social justice warriors are very anxious. They try to be, and they try to control their environment uh, versus kingdom warriors who trust a sovereign God. Let me flesh that out a little bit. I believe that there is such a thing as medical anxiety. That's, you know, I have a dad who's a doctor, medical doctor. We've had lots of conversations about this. And I haven't mentioned, but uh, a lot of my training is also in biblical counseling. I do a lot of counseling for my church. Um, spent three years going through a training program. Um, and, and part of my degree was for that. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about medical anxiety. I'm talking about anxiety that's often induced because of our environment and the choices that we make. And we all know that sometimes we make bad choices and it gives us anxiety or depression. And it's not because we have a medical condition, it's because we made a bad choice. Because the Holy Spirit's putting his finger on something in our lives and we don't want to listen and we want to keep continuing that sin and now we have separated ourselves from the Lord because sin separates and now we're depressed because we're not in right fellowship with the Lord. We've probably all had instances where we've had that kind of thing happen. It's not what I'm talking about. When it's medical, when it's choices, that is what I'm talking about. We don't have to look far to know that this generation of young people are dealing with a mental health crisis. While they're driving less, they're partying less, they're staying home more, what are they doing while they stay home? They're tweeting, 
posting on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is that they're doing. They're dealing with crippling anxiety and depression. A study by Gene Twinge found that among teenagers, heavy internet users were 166% more likely to have clinically relevant levels of depressive symptoms than low users among girls. Among boys, that number was 75%. We have a generation of young people who live on the internet. So when the internet tells them something, climate change, overpopulation, more racist than we've ever been before, women are, t- are, women are terribly oppressed, they believe it because of two things. One, the internet exposes them to these topics before their parents do, and then their parents never address it to combat the falsehoods. A lot of times because we have no idea they've actually been exposed to it. I mean, how, how can you combat something with your young person when you have no idea they've actually been exposed to something, to a falsehood? And then they just go on their merry way and continue to believe it. And because they clicked that TikTok video about that thing that's false, do you know how the algorithms work? Then they're going to start seeing more and more and more. We all know that just because something is repeated doesn't mean it's true. But these are young minds that we're talking about. These are young people. Haven't all, they haven't come to understand that. And sometimes, even if we know it's, tr- it's not true, we're still being bombarded by it. And we find those beliefs will start to leak out into our lives, even if we know better. So how can we say that our children aren't? So we know these things are happening. And so it's our job as parents to, one, if possible, talk to our children before they are exposed to it. On the, don't, don't wait for the topic to come up. Wait for a, a, an appropriate time at whatever age, whatever the topic is, and we don't have time to get into all of that. Second, and this is kind of talking about that, they have very little real-world living to compare it to. See, they see all these things talked about on the internet, and they think that they, they live in cyber cyberspace. They don't live here in the real world a lot of times because so much of their time is consumed by the internet. But one of the things that you can do to combat this Keep your kids off the internet and social media for as long as possible. And when you do let them on, as little as possible. They'll hate you for it because all of their friends are going to be on the internet. But eventually they'll love you for it because you're protecting them mentally and emotionally. And really physically too because it keeps them very sedentary. And that's what we as parents do. Sometimes we have to be the bad guys in order to protect and put boundaries around our children. Just use the paper plate illustration that my parents showed last night. This is not a line of limitation. This is a line of protection. I love you. I love you desperately. But this is to protect you, not to limit you, not because I hate you. They're going to say those words to you. But it's your job, not their feelings, not any of those other things. It's your job to be in right standing before the Lord, not before your child and their feelings. To be able to stand before the Lord one day and say, I did my very best. They hated me for it, but I did what you called me to do. Eventually, they'll probably come around. (laughs) For the first time in history, our children can place a numerical value on their personal self-worth via the number of likes, shares, and comments that they receive on social media. You hear what I'm telling you? Our kids can compare themselves to their peers in real time at any point, at any moment, and that is not healthy. I have an entire talk about raising digital natives. I'm not going to get into it now, but let me just say that it's not healthy. Social media doesn't promote thoughtful, truthful, or considerate dialogue or thinking. Rather, it promotes half-truths and angry, inconsiderate sound bites in addition to headlines without any genuine substance. How people conduct themselves on social media is not how we want our children to learn how to treat other people, how to talk to other people, nor how to defend their opinions, their thinking. Look, logic is too lengthy for social media. Let me just tell you that. 
If you spend any time on social media, you know logic is too lengthy for social media. Feelings are quick, fiery, and eye-catching. And all of that equals social media success. And I'll just say this real quick. Being quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger from James 1, 19 through 20. In our social media age, that means let us be quick to listen and do our own research. Slow to share on social media. And slow to become angry over sound bites and headlines. The internet is all about fast-paced and the first to respond. Social media success is most often the antithesis of godliness. Additionally, give your kids as many world, real-world experiences as possible. And I'm not talking about that perfect family trip to Disney World. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about expose, host people in your home, around your table, from all different kinds of lifestyles and cultures, backgrounds. Not our lifestyles is not what I meant. Backgrounds and cultures. Expose your children to real people with real problems, not made-up internet first-world problems. Help them see the world through their own eyes not through the lens the internet and the media put up before them. Because, man, it sure seems, when you hear all day on the internet that women are oppressed, that seems like it's true until you're out into the real world and you realize that more women are getting, are becoming doctors than men. That in the doctoral field, more women, um, women make a higher pay. That Asian women are some of the most, are some of the most highest paid individuals in the United States. Those things are all true. But if you were to be, live on social media, you would not think that at all. So we have to help our children take off those lens and see the real world. And that's done by you as the parent curating and bringing into your home and around your table people that can expose them to different backgrounds, missionaries from cultures all around the world. Our, our families, we've become fast friends with ex-cons, alcoholics, drug addicts, unwed mothers. We call them friends and they've sat around our table and they've revealed to me as I was a child growing up what real problems look like and what real consequences look like when you make bad choices. But a lot of times those people were believers now and you got to see a life redeemed and the work that God can do to transform somebody's life. One of the number one causes for the anxiety and depression our children are facing, loneliness. They're really lonely kids. The internet and social media have made us the most connected culture or connected generation in human history, but with the weakest communities in human history. We forfeit building a true community for shallow connections. Make sure that your children have a good community not just friends on the internet. Now look, I don't believe that climate change is going to destroy the earth in the next 15 years, and I certainly don't believe that there's an overpopulation crisis. It's actually the opposite. But we do have legitimate real-world problems. We're not in a good place in the world right now. There's a lot of instability. There are genuine threats to our way of living. But we must remind ourselves and our children that God is sovereign. And see, this is how a kingdom warrior thinks. This is how you raise up your kingdom warrior to think. God is sovereign and he's not looking over the ramparts of heaven as my mom likes to say and saying, oops, I didn't mean for that to happen. No, he's not saying that at all. Proverbs 3, 25, 26 tells us, have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being ensnared. 
And of course, we're all familiar with Matthew 6, 33 through 34, but seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be, give, will be given to you as well. Do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.